World's Finest Podcast, Episode 92. the even more nasally voiced James Doe, <laughs> and with me as always is Michael David Sims. <laughs> Hello, sir. Besides uh, being nasalier, more nasally, whatever, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm alright. Just just a little tired. It's it's uh, Thanksgiving time and I work at a yeah. supermarket, so yeah. just put two and two together. And and my allergies are just going fucking haywire right now, so that's that's really sums my day up right there. Uh, anything else going on with you? Nah, not really. That's well, that's good. I I'm, guess I'm bro- I'm broke. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Hey, you know that's a nice segue. It's almost isn't like it we though? Plan that. Wow, <laughs> we really didn't plan that, people. Um, <laughs> okay, so what, what what I'm getting at here is, uh, you know, every now and then I've uh, you know, kind of lowered my, lowered my head and humbly have humbly asked you guys to, uh, you know, just help out financially. Uh, you know, you know, to keep the Earth Two Net forums running. Um, like when it comes time to renew the hosting, I, I've had to ask just because you know other bills came up or whatever. You know, I just I just couldn't pay for it, and I was afraid that. You know, the uh, the subscription would get canceled, and then there goes WFP, and there goes Earth2.net. Well, what's going on with me right now is that I desperately, and I seriously mean desperately, need a new computer. Um, I'm afra- I'm really afraid this thing is just going to go kaput at, at any moment. Um, and I just can't afford one. So, you know, I've put out uh, a call for donations, and uh, some people have donated, and I and I truly, absolutely appreciate that. You guys are are always generous, but I thought I would uh, give you guys an incentive to donate. So this is what's going to happen: anybody who donates ten dollars or more to Earth2.net. All you have to do is go over to earth2.net slash donations, earth-number2.net slash donations. So you go there, and if you click the button that says donate and enter $10 or more, I'm going to send you an audio commentary. The other night, I sat down and I watched Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, and I recorded a DVD commentary. So um, that will be my little thank you to you guys for your, uh, for, for your generosity. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want to hear that again, go to earth2.net that's earth-number2.net slash donations, click the PayPal button and just enter $10. Or if you want to give more, that's great. But, uh, you know, $10, um, will, will get you that MP3. What'll happen is I'll get an email saying that uh, I received a donation and then I will send you either a link to the file or if I can send the file, like, through email, which I doubt I can. I think it's too big. Um, I will do that. So you won't receive it right away, um, but you will receive it as fast as I can get it to you. It's pretty much as soon as I see that email. Also, 
just as an addendum onto this, uh, whoever donates the most will receive an, a copy, a sealed shrink wrap copy of the original uncut Batman Beyond Return of the Joker DVD. Excellent. And you know what? Uh, you know what I'll throw in on top of that, too? Is I have that, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't remember the name of it. Uh, actually, I'm looking for it. Maybe I do have it in front of me. But that BTAS oversized, like, coffee table book, mm-hmm. you know that thing I'm talking about? I yeah, I think so. That. So, yeah, again, anybody who donates the most will get that DVD that James just mentioned and that book uh, whose title I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, uh, that's earth-2.net slash donations. earth-2.net slash donations. And I should say, that's running from the day this episode airs, which will be the 24th of November, until the end of 2010. So you have about, what would that be, five weeks, something like that? Just a little over a month to um, help out. Hang on, I think I found that book. Oh, you know what? I have two books. Okay, it's called Batman Animated. It's by Paul Dini and Chip Kidd. And I'm telling you guys now, it's not in the best condition. It's not beat up. Don't think that. But, you know, it's just been, it's an older book. It's just been sitting around. So, you know, it's, yeah, I would say it's in good condition. But I also have something called Mythology, the DC comic art, excuse me, the DC comics art of Alex Ross. This is also by Chip Kidd and Jeff Spear. This is an amazing book. Um, so I'll add this into that. So again, anybody who uh, donates the most uh, will get James's DVD and my two books and that uh, DVD commentary of Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. And remember, that's that ends at the end of 2010 here. And anybody who donates $10 gets the commentary regardless. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I think that's enough, uh, enough of that. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> then we'll just go into the emails. Yes, then. let's do that, because we have a bunch to go through. First one is from Cole, who writes, Dear Sirs, Michael, and James, a theory on Red X. I think he's the physical manifestation of Robin's dark side, the single-sided, I guess he meant single-mindedness, being a master at various things, including karate and generally being awesome, and above all, seeming to know Robin almost as well as Slade. Anyway, that's just my thoughts, not actual fact. Till next time, Cole. That's an interesting idea. I sort of like that. I mean, you know, I don't know. It would explain why his voice is the same. Exactly. It would. Um, I think if they had introduced... Red X after the three-part The End, then I would go, ooh, and kind of buy it. And the reason I say after The End is because that in that episode, remember, Trigon brought out the dark sides of three of the Titans? Mm-hmm. Well, we could say that he brought out the dark side of Robin, but we just never saw it. Um, but because they didn't do that, I can't necessarily go along with the theory, but it's still a very good theory, nonetheless. Right. Next one is from Layla. Writes Jim and Mike. I was wondering if in episode 100 of WFP, will you each choose a DCAU movie to regrade? The reason I ask is because I just had one of my favorite movies ruined for me. Earlier today, I was watching Mask of the Phantasm. As you may recall, the girl who Bruce was engaged to became the Phantasm because her father was killed by the man who would become the Joker. He was murdered by the mob because he owed them a few grand. During my rewatch, my little brother Zach, of all people, asked, Why didn't What's-Her-Face ask Bruce for the money? This really made me think. Bruce is a multi-billionaire. You would think he would be happy to help his bride-to-be and her father out of a jam. However, instead of telling her father they don't need to go on the run and getting a loan from Bruce, she nonsensically flees to Europe with Daddy. 
Looking back, I seriously think this is a big flaw in the movie and was wondering if there's any rationale you could provide for it. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what he said? <laughs> yeah, when this email came in, I just sort of scratched my beard and went, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 no, I'm, I'm just astounded that I don't think either of us mentioned that during the review. I don't either. But again, this was what episode like nineteen or something 14, like that. I'm looking at it right 14. now, fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now to answer the question, though, uh, the initial question about potentially regrading a movie. Uh, one of the DCAU movies. I, it never really crossed my mind to do it. Um, well, I think our general stance on this from the beginning has been, for episode 100, anything is up for grabs there. That's true. Right. But whenever we've done, like, a series retrospective, I never even really considered going back to, like, Mask of the Phantasm or Sub-Zero. Like, when we did the the retrospective on BTAS, you know? Right. Um but yeah, once we get to 100, maybe, maybe uh, one of us or both of us will. Um, I can tell you right now, I doubt either of us will do Mask of the Phantasm, because we both gave it nines. And despite that big hole that was just mentioned there, <laughs> um, I'm still content with that score. I don't know about you, James. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> pretty much. Although, but, who knows? Right. But for Sub-Zero, you gave that a five, and I gave that a seven. So looking at that, I am sort of tempted to go, okay... Maybe I will watch that again to see why we had a two-point difference there. Uh, no promises. I'm just saying maybe. Yeah, because I can already tell you Return of the Joker isn't getting a regrade. Yeah, we both did um, that 10s, right? Yeah, and I would have given it a 14 if I was able to. <laughs> um, and Mystery of the Batwoman, we both gave 4s. Which I'm perfectly content with. I am too. Um, but also remember, any three-part episodes right. we always considered movies, so we might go back to some of them too. Secret Origins is an interesting one, mm. uh, because we both gave that a sixes, I believe. I'm trying to scroll to it right now. Yeah, we both gave it six. So that's kind of a, a middling grade there, so you yeah. never know. That one may come up. Yeah. Savage hmm. Time isn't getting a regrade. No, those uh, were ten. Star Starcrossed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stuff like that. Yeah, let's see. What did we give the end? Did we both give it tens? Well, yeah, we both gave it 10s because you regraded it to a 10, I that, believe. Uh, well, let's see. I gave it. I initially gave it a 9, and no, I didn't do, redo the end. I did a lot of Raven episodes. I did do Nevermore, Birthmark, and The Prophecy, but I didn't do the end. Uh, so you gave it a 10, I gave it a 9. Maybe I'll go back to that one. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm happy with my 9 there. Uh, Trouble in Tokyo, we both gave 8s. I'm happy with that. Yep. Um, and we don't have any three-parters coming up in JLU, do we? It nope. doesn't look like it. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, next one is from Aaron, who writes, Hey, guys, I'm very excited that you're now in the JLU era. Congrats. Uh, there's something that you guys should look out for in JLU's future, retcons and alterations made to the DCAU in order to better line up with the DCU from the comics. There seems to be some revisionist storytelling done in JLU, mostly consisting of character alterations. Off the top of my head, some of the changes include making Supergirl and Kyle Rayner's costumes more closely resemble their comic book counterparts, making Bizarro actually use ba his backward speak rather than just broken sentences, uh, confirming Metropolis's location on the East Coast instead of the West Coast, as it appeared to be in Superman, 
uh, of the animated series, establishing that Wonder Woman is indeed less powerful than Superman, despite the fact that she nearly beat him when they fought in Paradise Lost. It's all very interesting stuff. Also, I was the one on the forums who said it's possible to make a, a good Hawk and Dove episode. In the comics, the characters aren't stupid, brute, and wise pacifist. They're a passionate fighter and, well, wise pacifist. <laughs> when written correctly, the characters should always both be right in every situation, right. instead of one of them being unequivocally wrong. Just because Hawk is more aggressive doesn't mean he should be wrong. It should mean that he's very passionate in doing what he believes is right, standing in the way of injustice, using physical force when needed. Dove, on the other hand, should not merely spit out pacifistic platitudes, but try the heart of the problem rather than just punching it. Or perhaps while Hawk is punching it, just to make sure their bases are covered. In the current comics, Hawk and Dove have a very cool relationship in that Dove is a young girl, while Hawk is an older and more experienced man. Hawk is highly passionate about protecting Dove, and Dove can still dish out some kick-ass when need be. So basically, JLU got Hawk and Dove all wrong. It's not that the characters are bad, it's just they were written terribly. Mostly Hawk. Long live and prosper, Aaron. Thank you. Um, two quick things about the uh, the retcon slash alterations. And Aaron, I'm not saying you had a problem with it, uh, but you know the, the characters changing their costumes, you know that that doesn't bother me. Not because they fall more in line with their comic book counterparts, but just because you know characters change their costume. I mean, Batman always makes tweaks to his costume, so that so that's fine. Um, and and the other thing with that, you know, with Bizarro uh, changing the way he speaks, you could you could pretty much chalk that up to maybe his brain is just breaking down. So it's fine by me. You know, the other stuff, moving where Metropolis is, that's a big problem. I'll admit that. <laughs> All right. Next one is from Matthew, whose uh, subject line reads Brainiac Attacks. It, his email says, it's not in continuity. They just use the same model sheets and actors without any familiar writing, storyboarding, or voice acting consistency. At best, it could take place right after the first Superman, the animated series VHS. Brainiac is introduced as a pretty average supervillain, almost brand new to the world. Luther is trying to mug his jokes, and Brainiac becomes super powerful with Lex Luthor's technology. Doesn't seem doesn't that seem backwards if it is supposed to be in the DCAU? The coolest thing to see in this cheap cash-in movie is the Phantom Zone. Otherwise, you should review the film for one reason only, as a farce. It is like Star Trek V or Highlander 2. The fact that this has enough of the original look to it and the raw facts of production makes it a painful addition that needs to be surgically removed from the franchise because it just does not belong. Yeah. Next one is from Gareth, who writes, Hey guys, first off, I love the podcast. I started listening about a year or so ago. However, since school started back, I haven't had any spare time, so I'm still at Superman. I've seen all of Batman, Superman, Batman Beyond, and the first season of the Zeta Project. I'm eager to watch Justice League as I've heard nothing but praise. I have to ask if you have considered reviewing the Spectacular Spider-Man show. Obviously not in WFP, but it is such a great show, I would love to hear you guys review it as a whole new podcast. On a completely different note, are there any Earth2.net shows that review the series Lost? There are too many Lost podcasts out there, but I thought Earth2.net was a good place to start looking for a good one. So I hope you take my Spider-Man suggestion into thought, and once again, fantastic podcast. Thanks, Gareth. Thank you, Gareth. Uh... There are no shows on Earth2.net covering that program. That said, there was a really humorous uh, chat forum discussion, or chat room discussion, I should say, about the final episode of Lost uh, that I just had to post on the main page, like the day after or two days after Lost ended. So if you want to see that, uh, go to earth2.net and uh, dig that up. It should be under the review section. So, yeah, it's it's really just like everybody going, what the fuck? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, a lost podcast, that's 
that's something to consider. Um, we have a couple of shows coming up um, in uh, 2010 here. There's going to be two, maybe even three, that launch before the end of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens in 2011. Maybe if uh, someone pitches me a lost podcast and uh, um, I'm willing to uh, host it on the site, you'll, you'll get your wish there. Yeah, I, I suppose this is as good a time as any mm-hmm. to uh, to shill yep. the all new Tranquil Tirades podcast. Oh, um, yeah. The I'm not sure when the first episode is going to go up. It Nor has do been I. <laughs> yeah, it has been recorded. Yeah, it has been recorded. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what movie that we, that being Dubs, my roommate Mike, and I have uh, decided to review. Uh, but. It was two hours of utter misery for two of the hosts. Oh, okay. I'm um, not going to say which two, <laughs> because um, one of the hosts is not as in tune with this particular genre as the others are. So, but it is the Tranquil Tirades. I don't. I may have said this before, but I'm just coming out and saying it blatantly here that Tranquil Tirades is becoming its own podcast very soon. Yeah. Uh, the first episode will be up within a few weeks, I would guess. Yeah, most likely. Like I said, there's there there's something else launching soon too, and it's just a matter of me doing a juggling act and going, which one launches first, and how much space do I want to put between them, and on what days are they going to air? You know, because at this point, there's there's literally a podcast that airs every day on Earth2.net. You know, um, mm-hmm. so we're getting to the point where we're having to put two on the same day. So I have to go, okay, this would be a good match with or a good counterpart to this show. So this one gets the morning slot, this one gets the evening slot. So that that's where we are right now. <laughs> I remember a long time ago on Earth Student at the show, I had said my ultimate goal was to have at least one show for every day, and we are finally there. Finally there. Um and I cannot wait for Tranquil Tirades to become its own program. So yeah, just a few weeks off. And guys, I don't even know what movies what movie they cover. That that's that so James is even keeping it a secret from me. <laughs> Though I'm sure I could ask him and he'd tell me and I would just edit it out, you know. <laughs> but you, I, I would you have could. been surprised, so don't say anything. Don't say anything. Well, I guess uh, Dubs will uh, forward that to you eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, yeah, he'll send me the, the, the copy and the, the the banner image. And it's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, excellent. <laughs> uh, awesome. Oh, and I, I should say, um, the other podcast, I keep beating around the bush with it. Uh, I'm going to hold off on announcing that one for a little while, so... D- don't think I'm I'm snubbing you guys who are behind that one. I'm just 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 keeping that one under wraps for just a little while longer. All right, back to the emails. Next one is from Kevin, who writes, "Hey, Mike and James, have either of you gotten around to seeing Scott Pilgrim versus the World yet? I only ask this again because it was recently released on DVD. Although I personally enjoyed the movie, it's even better if you a have some understanding of comic books, video games, etc. Uh, b have ever read any of." read any or all of the Scott Pilgrim books, or C, are Canadian like me. <laughs> Since I fall under this category, I personally find it awesome. I live in Mississauga, Ontario, which is just south of Toronto. This makes the movie even better because I recognize most of the scenes and background features, kind of like with Mike and the Nolan Batman films. Mm-hmm. If you do get around to watching it and you happen to enjoy it on the same obsessive-compulsive level I do, I recommend watching it with the trivia commentary, which, by the way, took me by surprise when I found out that most Americans don't know what Pizza Pizza is as well as both cast commentaries, uh, which were both awesome. Happy watching and enjoy, Kevin. 
Wasn't Pizza Pizza the slogan to Little Caesars? For Little Caesars, yeah. yeah. And there's actually Little Caesars right across the street from the where I work. So. Yeah, so but I'm assuming it must be a chain up there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. Um, let's see. As for you know having you know if we've seen Scott Pilgrim, um, James, have you? I have. And what'd you think? It was pretty damn good. Okay. I gotta admit, I was worried going in because my roommates were just hyping the hell out of it yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and it's not like the greatest, oh my God, movie ever, mm-hmm. but I still would gladly watch it again because it was very funny. Um, <laughs> so that, that, honestly, that's really my thoughts on it. It's, it, it is what it is. It's hard. If you've seen it, you know exactly what it is. And it, it, you can't, really even begin to describe it to somebody who's not familiar with video games and comic books yeah um i've not seen it yet Uh, i wanted to see it in the theaters it passed me by because it wasn't there that long and then i was like okay i'll wait for dvd well it came out on dvd like two weeks ago i think as of this recording and the red box it doesn't have it yet um there's certain uh movie studios that are delaying by one month uh uh, movies that they're giving to the Redbox rental company. And they're doing it with Netflix, too. So it's not like I could have grabbed it off of there. Um, so I probably won't get to see that. I think the Redbox gets it in two weeks. So that's probably when I'll get to see it. Um, I doubt that'll be before the next episode of WFP, just based on how we record the show, you know, in my free time. But uh, probably by episode, like, 94 or 95, I will have seen it. So if I remember to, I'll, I'll kind of... Uh, give you guys my thoughts about that uh, once I've seen it. All right, next one's from a uh, different Aaron this time, who writes, uh, Dear Mike and James, for about the last six months, I had been tooling around with the idea of making my own podcast focusing on the Justice League cartoon. I was disappointed that I hadn't found anyone on the net talking about the JL series or the DCAU, and then I stumbled across you guys with a Google search a week ago, and I started listening. Wow, great job. You <laughs> two do such, uh, so much better job than I had laid out. And you're able to review the episodes not only with a fanboy's perspective, but a reviewer's perspective, and I probably couldn't be able to do that. I look forward to joining the forums and discussing the JLU with everyone, and I've been getting a real treat listening to both you guys and the regular emailers' discussions. Keep up the great work. Uh, the only thing I'm sad about is that I'm coming so late to the party, and I missed a lot of good times. <laughs> but I'm steadily going through the library, and as of this email, I'm on episode 21. Again, thanks for the hard work, and great job. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I mean, I'm sorry we took your podcast idea away from you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad you, you did find our show and uh, are enjoying what, you're, what, what we're doing. I'm, I'm also glad that before you did a podcast, you um, went out and actually researched um, uh, to see if there were other podcasts doing that. And, uh you know, not that you can't do it, you know what I mean? But, okay, like, let me put it this way. Anytime a show launches on earth2.net, I always do a Google search to see if any other podcast has that name or is covering anything similar and maybe just launched, you know? Because um, I don't want there to be confusion, especially when it comes to the name. So good on you for, for, for actually doing that kind of research because there's other, there's other people out there that just don't do that. Last email today is from Christian, who writes, Hey guys, I'm super psyched now that you've reached the last and greatest chapter of the DCAU, Justice League Unlimited. In initiation, I think Green Arrow just put his mask on while emerging from the showers in order to protect his secret identity, rather than wearing it while he took one. Though you'd think that big blonde goatee would be quite the giveaway. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) 
Layla's likening of the Teen Titans to the Earth 2 staff is interesting, but I think uh, because he's such a fan of Doctor Who and because of the extent of his knowledge on comic books, Mike would most likely be the brain. (laughs) Even though, even so, I don't think one could really liken the Earth 2 staff as a whole to the Brotherhood of Evil. One, because they're not evil, and two, because thankfully it has no one annoying enough to be Madame Rouge equivalent. Looking forward to your next batch of reviews, especially Ultimatum, Christian. P.S. Series retrospective episodes of WFP tend to rank among its best episodes, and your Teen Titans retrospective last month did not disappoint at all. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, And we actually have two voicemails that we're going to play right now. The first one is from Dan. Hey, guys, this is Dan from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Fantastic to hear that you're doing Justice League Unlimited, finally. I've been waiting for a while to hear these, and I'm I'm loving it. Just listened to the first uh, podcast about it today, your new one. And i got to say, I know a little bit about shotguns, unfortunately, being from this part of Pennsylvania. Uh, but um, there are two types of ammunition for shotguns. You can either have the pellets, or you can have what's called slugs, which are pretty much just chunks of lead that get fired out of a shotgun, and they just rip right through you. That's about it, guys. Surprisingly, people use those things for squirrel hunting. Can't imagine why, because I think it would just rip the darn little thing in half. That's about it, guys. Keep it going. I don't want it to end, (laughs) but I'll be with you all the way. Later, guys. So thank you, Dan, for, uh, I almost said writing in, for phoning in and uh, giving us the lowdown on shotguns there. Because I really don't know dick all about guns. So, you know, uh... You know, whenever we don't know anything, we always reach out to you guys. So, again, thank you for doing that. But people Indeed. use those things to hunt squirrel? Squirrel? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know people eat squirrel. Trust me. I, <laughs> I I have family who are bona fide hillbillies. Okay, I'm not even joking around. That's the truth. And I know that they eat squirrel. I, I know this is a fact. But to hunt them with shotguns, you just think there'd be nothing left. <laughs> you know? You, you'd, you'd, get a, you'd get, like, a little leg that you'd use as, like... I don't know, like, instead of, like, a rabbit's foot for your keychain, you have a squirrel's foot, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. And uh, the next one is from Valerie. Hey, Mike, this is Valerie. Um, just wanted to call and let Mike know, since he likes All-Star Superman, that I was recently in Best Buy, and um, I tried not to connect that with fun because I kind of epically fell at it. But anyway, um, I was walking around the DVD section, and they had... Superman Batman Apocalypse, so I looked in the back of it, because I usually get the one with all special features, and it said, um, DC AUC peak of All-Star Superman, so uh, I have to assume that they're making a, a movie or something like that, so I just want to tell you guys now, and I also want to know what your take is on the Green Lantern trailer, I know, I, I know a lot of people have a gripe with just a suit, but I think that's like, kind of like, I don't know, I think that's kind of a... Tom Gripe, because I don't want, I want to say it's just dumb, but, you know, it's just a kind of something I can overlook, because I don't really care about the suit so much, I just, I like, I like how Jordan is a character, and I know the, the suit really defines him as Green Lantern, but, you know, I mean, I would rather have a Green Lantern movie now, not have it be shitty as the Super Returns, but, um, yeah, so, hope you guys have a ha- good Thanksgiving, and that's about it, uh, Talk to you guys whenever I get time. Bye. So, James, have you seen the Green Lantern trailer? I have, uh, thanks to me going to see the midnight release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows the oh, other night. How was that, the, the Harry Potter movie? Oh, it was amazing. Okay. F- just fan-fucking-tastic. Um, they, they, they left it at the perfect point. Yeah, because this is part it, one of... A, mm-hmm. They're splitting the final book, right? 
They had to. Yeah. There's no way they could have made this into one movie. Mm-hmm. And e- even two movies, they're going to have to leave out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But still, they they really got the vast majority of the important stuff mm-hmm. from the first half of the book. And um, it, it leaves off at the perfect moment where you're like, damn it! <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Now, as no, far hang as on, the, hang on. Before we get to Green Lantern, did you see that interview with... A, who, what's the name of the kid who plays Harry Potter? Daniel Radcliffe? Yes. Did you... Did you see that interview with him where he said Uh that if J.K. Rowling ever goes back and decides to write another Harry Potter book, he's going to have to sit down and have a talk with her? (laughs) Because he's he's flat out said, he's like, I'm not playing this character anymore. Hmm. So, yeah, he's probably going to get in her ear and be like, don't involve Harry. (laughs) Or they're going to have to cast someone else. I was like, "That, that takes some balls considering it was her book series that made you. You know, I can say, it's I can understand much. him saying, I'm going to walk away from the role, that this is it for me. But to be like, I'm going to sit down with the author who made this billion-dollar franchise and made me the star that I am today, that's a little um, a little rude. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> but and, I'm sorry, uh, but the Green Lantern trailer. Well, I, I was going to say that my whole, I, I would say the last several, I don't know, about the last decade I've been called Harry Potter by no less than 200 people. Oh. So. <laughs> Thankfully, my hair is short now, so it's not like it, it, I'd never get that anymore. Uh, yeah, saw the Green Lantern trailer. Um, I am not overly thrilled about this movie in general. I don't, I, I don't even know what to say to put my finger on it. What is bothering me about it? I think the costume, maybe. Just, uh-huh. I do not like the costume at all, uh-huh. uh, and that. I, I can't be the only one who's who has this opinion of it, but it just looks so fucking goofy, I think. I understand. Maybe somebody – I'm sure there's a lot of people who think it looks great. Wait, okay, that's that's fine. I just personally – I cannot get past that uh, that costume. And I'm, I'm still not really thrilled that Ryan Reynolds is uh, being – is Green Lantern because yeah. I just don't <sighs> – Deadpool. I want him to be Deadpool, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah. I don't mind the fact that the costume looks different, that, as people have called it, you know, ribbed for her pleasure. That doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is that it looks digital. Now, granted, they have until the day the movie's released to fix the way the costume looks on the screen, to make it not look digital. But it just it just looks so phony. And, I, you know, again, I've also seen people say, oh, well, it technically is digital because the costume is a construct of the ring. And I get that, but it should still look like it's actually a human being wearing it and not like it, it's digitally pasted over him. Um, so, you know, but besides the costume, the movie looks interesting. I, the, the, after seeing the trailer, I was I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I think we got to see a fist construct only real briefly. That did concern me that we only, I think we only saw one construct where that's like the whole thing the ring does. You know, you'd think they'd be showing that left and right in the trailer, but they didn't do that. So, okay, another little worrisome thing, but, you know, again, we'll wait and see. Um, you know, and, and the, you know, the way they have pl- him playing Hal Jordan, where he doesn't, where he's not fearless right away, like he has to learn to be fearless, that's different. But I'll accept it. That that doesn't really get under my skin. Like I know it's like like I know it will a lot of people's. Um, so yeah, I'm hyped for it. But there are some some things that definitely have me going. I don't know if this is uh, going to be as good as as everybody's hoping. But you know, I'm going to take the wait and see approach. That's all I can do. Um, 
another trailer that was shown uh, was Green Hornet. Oh my god! Uh, um, I, as somebody who knows absolutely nothing about the Green Hornet character, mm. the movie looks pretty entertaining. Okay, I know. So I and I, I know that may like aggravate the hell out of you since <laughs> you know a lot about the Green Hornet character. But as somebody who's just coming in off the street, knowing nothing about the character, the movie looks really enjoyable. See. I haven't seen a trailer since, like, the spring or the summer. I can step back and just try to look at it as just not being connected to the other Green Hornet, you know, the comics, the TV show, the radio dramas. You know, I'm just trying to look at it as its own thing. And to me, it's it, it's, it doesn't look good even standing on its own. Um, and again, this is just based on the trailer that I saw many months ago, Okay. The comedy didn't do anything for me. The action didn't. The It looks like they're giving him just the typical, my dad was killed, so I'm going to be a superhero kind of origin. Just all around, it's 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 looking kind of flat for me. Will I go see it? Hell yeah, it's the Green Hornet, you know? But my hopes are not high for it. I really have to admit that. But that it looks like it's going to be entertaining for you, that's fine. That That's fair. You know, not going to knock you for it at all. I don't believe it. Crazy old Hardcastle was right. These guys claim they're splicing hardier tomatoes. But really, they've been experimenting with metahuman DNA. Not just any DNA. My DNA. Look. This folder was marked Metropolis Training Exercises. It's me. Um, a little more mature than you. But I see your point. They cloned me. We must have some sort of psychic link. That's why I'm seeing things I didn't do. First up today is Fearful Symmetry, also known as Galatea. Uh, in this one, we open up with this fat guy being chased through the streets of Metropolis by Supergirl, of all people. And she corners him in an alley, and he's like, I never told anyone. And Supergirl says, good, so you're the only loose end. <laughs> Suddenly, a bunch of uh, Firefly-looking guys with kryptonite sniper rifles start <laughs> shooting at her, and... Uh, they start chasing her through Metropolis, and she evades and gets rid of them and then tracks the fat guy to a lab and fights this ridiculous-looking machine. And once she dispatches it, she walks right up to the fat guy and incinerates him. Uh, Kara then wakes up in her bed in Smallville in a panic, screaming, having just shot holes through her ceiling with her heat vision. Uh, after the title, Kara is seeing Jean about her dreams, but... Jean says that he's unfamiliar with the mechanics of dreams because he does not experience them. So he's really of no help here. So Green Arrow talks to Kara later and just offers some jokes, basically. <laughs> Th then the question walks up. Woo! <laughs> yes. And says that she's showing all the signs of repressed memories. Um, he reminds her that she was once at Star Labs when she was treated for injuries during the whole Superman attack on Earth several years ago. Thus, there is a time for which she cannot account. Uh, Ali argues with him about how he's just a nutty conspiracy theorist, but Question says there aren't multiple conspiracies. It's all just one gigantic one. And the question is, who gains from it? So Question declares that he's going to tag along to help Supergirl. And they visit Dr. Hamilton uh, at Star Labs. And he assures her that she was on life support the whole time there, and there is no possible way that she could have been flying around on violent missions. Um, Hamilton also says that the death machine that she saw in her dream was just a surgical robot that saved her life during the apocalypse threat. So they leave, and Question is still not buying this explanation. 
and suddenly they are attacked by a Z-8 robot and uh, several soldiers and helicopters. Well, after they defeat this cadre, a uh, question says, they're asking questions someone does not want answered. Ollie's like, oh, come on already. And Supergirl's like, no, you know what? Something's going on here. I'm kind of agreeing with question here. And question brings over a piece of the Z-8 robot and says, hmm, standard Z-8 robot. So uh, who do we buy these from again? And Supergirl says, the army, wait a minute. And Question says, fun fact, the same person who commissioned the Z-8 project is the same person who put Kara in the infirmary, General Hardcastle. So the three of them go to Hardcastle's mountain cabin, where he's basically in retirement slash in hiding. And Hardcastle is not pleased to see Supergirl and points a kryptonite gun at her. But they disarm him pretty quickly, and they want answers. So... Hardcastle says that he was forced into retirement by this clandestine group, and he believes that they will decide to shut him up for good one day. It's not a matter of if, just when. He says that the people whom they are seeking are not easily found. They are responsible for many of the problems that the League has encountered over the past few years, namely Volcana and the Royal Flush Gang, and they also have files on literally everyone in the Watchtower. But um, Hardcastle knows very little about the people in themselves, and the League is, again, the League is not going to find them. They will find the Justice League. So they leave and teleport back to the Watchtower. Uh, immediately after, a woman with the same voice as Supergirl walks inside the cabin and asks if he's a friend or a foe. <laughs> well, Hardcastle panics and goes for the gun, which was a big mistake. Uh, so the woman's like, hmm, guess you're a foe. And she kills him. Later, Supergirl wakes up from another nightmare, and she's like, Hardcastle's gone. I just know it. Sean uh, patches a video feed to the questions room, and they see the fat guy from earlier. And it's revealed that he was a scientist working for some place called Nuvogen. And Kara's like, he's real, or was real. And Question says that they should go to... Uh, uh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Uh, Ollie says that they should go to Nuvogen and find out who this guy is. But Question says, no, they should find out the source of this news report. Uh, and Ali says, look, we'll go to Nouveau Gen, and you go wherever the hell you want. <laughs> and uh, so Question ends up tracking down the reporter who broke the story of this Nouveau Gen guy, because this place is really hush-hush. And uh, the reporter says that he started dating a girl uh, recently, and she's the reason he knew about the story. And Question figures out that the girl whom he's dating is someone with a link to Kara. Uh Meanwhile, Ali disguises himself as a security guard, sneaks into Nouveau Gym with Kara, and they find out that uh, Supergirl was cloned and that the girl, Galatea, is a li just a little older than Kara and uh, more powerful than her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. not we'll saying make all nothing. The, we'll make all the jokes in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, so uh, they also have a psychic link to one another, and that's why Kara sees what Galatea is doing. And uh, Galatea lures them into this holographic battle simulator thing, and she starts duking it out with Kara, basically kicking her ass all over the place. Question makes his way to the carnage, and uh, Supergirl asks Galatea who she works for, and she says, really, even I don't know who's at the top, but I do know that I can't complete my, my work with you in my head all the time. Uh, so Question walks up and says, that's not the whole story. The psychic link is a two-way street. While Kara was seeing her murders, Galatea was feeling Supergirl's conscience. Galatea says, eh, you don't know what you're talking about. The question says, prove it. Kill me. <laughs> so Galatea grabs him, but she hesitates, which allows Kara to get the upper hand finally. And elsewhere, we see a figure in shadow receiving a call and just says, he just simply says, understood. 
We go back to Nouveau-Gen. Uh, the fight is interrupted by massive explosions from the ground, uh, and Galatea seems to know what's happening, but she ends up uh, trapped in one of the blasts, and the three leaguers make it out before the entire place goes up in a fiery blaze. Uh, Supergirl talks to Hamilton later, and uh, he says that they always destroy DNA samples when they're finished with surgeries and whatnot. So they hang up, and Question says that they cloned Supergirl because Superman went rogue, and they want a superhuman alien on their side if it ever happens again. Uh, so Supergirl says, yeah, whoever they are. So we go back to Star Labs, and Hamilton walks up to the broken and bloody body of Galatea hooked up to a machine and says very lovingly that they will have her fixed up in no time. And also of note is that there are two high-ranking military officers in the background. Yes, indeed. So what do you think? This is awesome. Of course it is. <laughs> I mean, I've watched this one twice now in the last few days. And I don't know if I can find any major flaws with it. There's one minor flaw, which I'll just get out there right away, is the guy that the question interrogates in the taxi says that the girl he's dating is, you know, a, you know, a farm girl, blonde hair, blue eyes. Galatea actually has green eyes. Where Supergirl has blue eyes. That's like the only, besides... Well, I shouldn't say it's the only difference between the two. There's a couple of differences between the two. But they uh-huh. definitely have different eye color. So it's a very minor mistake, not one of those. I'm taking a point off things. But, I mean, really, th- that's the only flaw I can find with this thing at all. And it's so very minor. You know, for all we know, she was wearing color contact lenses. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, this this starts... No, I shouldn't... Okay. Well, I mean, this starts the big, you know, Cadmus storyline. But even if you don't look at it that way, it's still this epic, awesome episode. And I didn't think I could feel that way about a Supergirl episode. You know, she's not one of my favorite characters. I love Green Arrow. I love the question. But this is a Supergirl-centric episode, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I was feeling for her. Um, I love seeing the way Green Arrow and the question play off each other. And beyond that, I'm just in love with the question. <laughs> Everything he did in this episode was brilliant. The whole thing where she's like, do you go through my trash? And he's like, please, I go through everyone's trash. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then later on when he's like trying to get into the building and he's examining the, the card swipe and he's he's singing that boy band pop Oh, my song. God. Just, my favorite moment in the entire episode. I think that's my favorite moment in the DCAU. Where he just walks off camera, grabs a giant potted plat, smashes the window, and just keeps singing the song and just walks into the building. <laughs> you know, because what's so great about it is here's this guy, this big, obviously smart, but paranoid conspiracy buff. So you know he's a brainiac. You'd think he'd have a stealthy way into this building. No. Just going to smash the door with a plant, setting off the alarm. And he doesn't care. Just keeps on going. He's fucking crazy. He's awesome. <laughs> but what is cool about the question, even beyond the way he's voiced, which is which is just brilliant, the, the conspiracies, the way he connects it all together, beyond that is that you actually see that he is a fighter, too. You know, he picks that one soldier up by the head, uh, and then there's that moment where he drops the grenades, and then the pins <laughs> onto his body. You know, he uh-huh. stops, uh, it's, it's Hardcastle, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, he stops Hardcastle from firing the gun at Ollie and Supergirl. I mean, very judo like manner. Ex- well, be, and exactly. I mean, you know, in the comics, Question is a very good fighter. Very good. But, you know, if this is your first introduction to him, you're maybe not expecting that. You know, because he's a brainiac. You're thinking, oh, maybe that's all he can do. Uh, but no, no, he can handle himself in a fight, too. Um, I'm just gushing at this point. So <laughs> I'm going to stop for now. What were you thinking about this one? Oh, God. Yeah. I fucking love this one, man. It's really all because of the question. Mm. Um, the break into the, the lab is, it's actually kind of a callback to this. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, Sneakers. Um, it's a Robert Redford film. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the movie, um, his character, I believe his name was Bishop, uh, he listens to this really long, stupidly complicated explanation on how to defeat the, uh, a keypad, electronic keypad thing. Mm-hmm. And then he just kicks the door open and says, that worked. <laughs> nice. But yeah, uh, I, that's my favorite moment in this whole episode. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, I, I don't even know what to say about this one. It's just so awesome. I don't, this is one I didn't want to take any notes for yeah. at all. Yeah. I have actually uh, found out through a couple of sources that that is not, uh, or was not Lex Luthor in Shadow. No, what? It's it's Clancy Brown, though, isn't it? I don't believe it was. Okay, then who's that supposed to be? I don't know. Do they ever come <laughs> back to it? Nope. It's never referenced again. Wow, because it sounds like it's Clancy Brown. He looks bald like Luthor. Seems to have his features, what little we can see. That's amazing. Okay. I I'm not really sure why... That. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure why that's not him, but yeah. whatever. Okay, weird. Because again, because it's never referenced again, it doesn't even really matter. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I, I love question because he's. I, I think uh, isn't is it Rorschach was modeled on the question. Yes, correct? exactly. And it's they're both like trash can uh, sifters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ramble. I really don't. Yeah. I. I just I have no no choice here because I just sat back and watched this yeah. one. <laughs> you know what? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Please continue. I wonder if uh, questions theory about the actors elected to public office is a, kind of a jab at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, absolutely, or... and Ronald Reagan too. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's others that we're not recalling. Right? Didn't Sonny Bono? You yeah. know, uh, granted he was more of a singer, but I'm sure he did some acting. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't mind, there is actually one other gripe I have, and this is a little bigger than uh, the color of Supergirl's, uh, or the the whole thing with Galatea having, he says, blue eyes, but she really has green eyes, is normally I don't mind the digital models that they've, that they've been using in the DCAU for a while now, but that robot, both times we see it, in the nightmare in the opening sequence, and then later on when she's at Star Labs, looks really out of place. It just doesn't mesh well with the traditional animation that they're using in the DCAU. Hmm. Again, not a I'm going to take a point off type thing, but it does kind of irritate me whenever I watch this episode. I don't know why this one stands out so much more than the other digital models. But it does. Like, I don't mind that the helicopters are digital in this episode, and I don't mind them that much. Um, but something about that machine does not look right to me at all. But I, I'm willing to forgive it because everything else is just so good. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. The the uh, 
it, it, the death machine thing really does look very ridiculous when Supergirl is trying to fight it. Yeah. yeah because you have the two contrasting animations going right at each other. Exactly. In, in close-up. Yeah. And that, yeah, I totally see what you mean. It does not mesh well at all. I think that's why what you just said, because they're in the same scene battling each other. It's not just like it rolls up to their feet like it does at Star Labs, you know. Then you kind of look at it and go, okay, that's fine. But once she starts touching it and it's touching her, it's it's completely out of place. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, it's, it's a small thing. It really is. Um, but speaking of that opening sequence, I love it. I hadn't seen this one in a long time. So I didn't remember how it started. I didn't remember anything about it except the question was in it. And then it had something to do with Supergirl, you know? Mm-hmm. At that opening se- sequence, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then, you know, she, she kills the guy and then wakes up from a dream. And it's like, what? It's such a great setup. A really good cliffhanger leading into the opening credits. But it should be noted that if you're actually paying attention to that opening sequence, well, besides the fact that Supergirl is killing people, there's a clue that it's not Supergirl. And and I'm not trying to be perverted here, but in that opening sequence, Supergirl's bust is a little larger than it should be. It's the size of Galatea's bust. Um, so just this just little clue that they added in there that this isn't... Well, again, besides her killing people, you know, that yeah. this isn't Supergirl gone rogue. I haven't paid attention to the eye color in the opening sequence to see if they're green instead of blue. But, uh, yeah, the other thing's... Pardon the pun, popped out at me. <laughs> and while we're talking about her boobs, of course it should be mentioned that Galatea mm-hmm. is um, the DCAU version of Power Girl. And of course, Power Girl is Supergirl from an alternate reality. Um, right. And this was their way of getting her in here. And I like the way they did it. Instead of saying, oh, she's from... Because they could have went back to the Justice Lords universe and say they plucked her out, which would have been neat. But, I, uh, but it doesn't work for the Cadmus storyline. No. You know, sure, you could say the government went to the alternate reality and plucked her out, but I like this whole idea of them, they have Supergirl at their mercy, and instead of treating her, well, I mean, they do treat her, but then they, they violate her and clone her. It's so much more sinister than going elsewhere and finding a mere universe version of her. You know, then they brainwash her and train her to just be this evil, evil woman it's it's really really good and re- extremely frightening. I think. W- what else do you got to say about this one? I uh, can't say enough about Jeffrey Combs, who did the questions I know. voice here. He is uh, great. He he voiced Scarecrow. I don't know if you remember that or not. No, but, I uh, don't. Yeah, uh, he was uh, he was the second guy to voice Scarecrow. Actually, I don't remember who voiced Scarecrow uh, in his first few appearances, hmm. but I know Combs was the second actor, and I was. I, I seem to remember I was much more impressed with his Scarecrow than the previous actor. Okay. But, uh, yeah, call, this guy is just perfect, perfect for the voice of question. Well, I mean, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he played one of my favorite character. Technically, characters. He played Wayoon, um, who was a clone. So, like, you'd see Wayoon for a few episodes, and then he'd die, and he'd come back. And you're like, wait, how, how did he come back? Oh, yeah, that's right, he's a clone. So there was, like, Wayoon, like, one through nine. Because he just kept getting obliterated on the program. <laughs> He's a really good character actor. And as we find out here, an extremely good voice actor, too. Um, something I picked up while watching this, and you mentioned it during the synopsis. 
you said that the robot that attacks, attacks them was a Z8 robot, right? Yeah. And, of course, it looks like the way Zeta used to look with a boomerang head. Mm-hmm. Really break down Z8. Z8. Yeah. And then just think, just say just say the back part of Zeta. Ada. Mm-hmm. Eight. It's like, oh, my God. I don't know if I ever picked yeah. up. Like, was Zeta like a Z8 model? Or, yeah. Oh, he was a he Z8 was, model, too? Well, he was based on that. I think, he, I, if I remember correctly, Zeta was a more advanced well, I'd hope so. Version. It's like 70 years from this point right, in the future. Right, you know? right. It was, like I'm saying, that was the, Z, the Z8 was the base model right. for for him. Yeah. You know, quote unquote him. Yeah. But, but I just like yeah. the way they broke it down backwards, where they took the name Zeta and they said, okay, ooh, okay, Ada, Ada, 8, 8, Z8. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's a coincidence, but I really doubt it. I, th- I think they put some effort into that name there. Um, let's see what else about this one. Um, again, I don't have any notes because th- another, this is another one of those ones I don't want to take notes for and you shouldn't take notes. You just got to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I think the only other things I'll mention is, uh, I was quite surprised cause I forgot that we actually get to see the question without his mask. So we actually mm-hmm. see Vic's face. Um, there's a little nod to the old TV show, Kolchak, the night stalker. Um, that reporter in the hat who walks up to Galatea's boyfriend, that mm-hmm. that's that's modeled on Kolchak. Um, damn, what else is there? I'm trying to read through my notes because I actually did take a lot of them. <laughs> but that's because I watched it first just for fun, you know, and then and my jaw was just open the whole time. And then when I watched it the second time because I had just seen it, I could go through and really take down some 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 notes for this one. So I, I really think that is all I have for this one. Just again, this is just. Epic on so many levels, even on its own. But the fact that it begins this whole Cadmus storyline, this is so important to the DCAU right here. We're all going to die. Hey, I'm not dressed for Halloween. Booster Gold is a bona fide superhero. You can't help. My boss and I, we've been experimenting in the lab with an alternative energy source to fossil fuels. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The source isn't entirely stable and requires a tremendous amount of power to maintain equilibrium. The fire damaged the containment field. Dr. Brown got caught in the explosion. The source is loose now. It could destroy the world. All worlds. This is so up my alley. I got this for you. So where is this source? So next up is the greatest story never told. In this one, uh, there is... I'm just going to kind of go through this synopsis real quick, I think. There is this magician. What's his name? Not Mordred. Mordrew? Mordrew. Mordrew, yeah. He's wreaking havoc in this city. I don't know what city. I don't think it's ever said. And uh, so the League's got to go down to stop him. And Booster Gold's all like, send me, send me, send me. And John very reluctantly sends him down. And uh, when he gets down there, um, he's put on crowd control. Booster Gold, who is an who's an attention whore, uh, is not pleased that he's relegated to just standing on a corner telling people to run away, uh, especially since they're already doing that. Well, as uh, all this is going on, uh, he sees th- there's like this lab in the distance. There's like an earthquake or something uh, by the magic that's going all haywire from that other guy. And uh, in the distance, he sees this, like, building, and it turns out it's it's a laboratory, and uh, something's gone really wrong there. So he swoops over there, 
come and he goes in, he finds this attractive female scientist. Uh, she's knocked out. He he wakes her up, and she tells him that they were working. She they being she and her uh, scientific partner were working on a machine that would ba- basically create like a black hole, right? That's yeah. the way I'm remembering it. Yeah. And uh, when the when the little tremor hit, it broke out of its containment unit and it attached itself to her scientific partner. So now he is walking around as a living black hole and he's just going to keep consuming and consuming and and consuming until he reaches critical mass. So Booster Gold, um, uh, she gives, I should say, Booster Gold this like inhibitor collar and uh, he tries to go out and stop this guy. And, you know, this guy, he's sucking up trucks and trains and people. We never see him do people, but it is implied. There's a scene where he's walking past an ambulance and you hear one of the EMTs scream. Um, So, you know, she got uh, pulled into his black hole. And uh, anytime this happens, you you know he's not a villain because he keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He can't help it. He literally can't. uh, Booster Gold, he gets close to him a couple of times, but he can never quite get the collar on him. Um, and at one point, uh, for those of you that don't know who, who Booster Gold is, he's this schlub. I think he was a janitor of a museum from like the 24th or 25th century or something like that, who came back in time, stole all this superheroic stuff uh, from a museum and came back in time and reinvented himself as a superhero. And along with him is this little like football-shaped flying AI computer thingy called Skeets that just adores Booster Gold. And, uh, well, Skeets gets sucked into the black hole, and Booster's pissed because Skeets is like his best friend. Well, he's dejected, and he's like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a superhero. I suck. And uh, the scientist lady, she's all like, yeah, well, I don't see any other superheroes here, so do your goddamn job and be a superhero. And uh, so he's he's still pissed off, but whatever. He tries to get the collar on the scientist. And uh, he starts to get pulled into the black hole himself, but he's able to stop himself at the last minute. He's able to put the inhibitor collar on the guy's neck, and uh, he falls out of the guy's chest to the ground. And uh, the the female scientist runs up to the other scientist, and she's like, oh, my God, you're safe. And he's like, I know, but I'm so sorry for what I did. Then he's like, wait, I don't feel good. And he belches or something, and his chest opens up again, and everything he had sucked into the black hole inexplicably comes flying back out, including Skeet's. And uh, so Booster Booster Gold did save the day, and he saved all these people and these buildings and these trains and everything. Well, when he meets back up with the League, uh, the threat, the big magic threat guy has been taken down. And uh, Batman gets on Booster's case. He's like, I thought I told you to stay on crowd control. And Booster's like, yeah, but there was this guy with the thing, and, you know, it was all going crazy. And he's like, okay, you don't believe me. And uh, Batman just looks at him, he's like, we are going to have a talk later. And Booster's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so the scientist lady, she finds Booster Gold one more time and uh, asks him out on a date. And uh, that is pretty much where this one ends, right? Yeah. Okay, what are you thinking? Can I just veto commenting on this episode? (laughs) Why? I hate this episode. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, And I... It's not. I'm not going to say it's a bad episode at, by any stretch. Mm. I just, I just don't like this episode. I never have ever liked this episode. Yeah. When I watched it back in tw- in 2004, I didn't like this episode. When I watched it a couple years ago, I did not like this episode. <laughs> Watching it three days ago, I did not like this episode. <laughs> it's, it just bores the absolute piss out of me. Um, I, I really have nothing but 
but problems with this episode. Uh-huh. I, I don't like the Booster Gold character. I've never, I've never liked the Booster Gold character. Uh, so right there, I'm not gonna like this episode. Yeah. Um, one, one question right off the bat here. Why is there a subway train still running when Mordrew is annihilating all of Metropolis? Uh-huh. Um, and I guess, <laughs> The, I gotta do this. You know what, folks? It's time to resurrect the old black hole controversy. <laughs> yeah, You're seriously, yeah. you are seriously telling me that there wouldn't be a monitor in the watchtower that picks up a fucking black hole in the middle of Metropolis? Right, yeah. I don't care if Mordrew is, like, resurrecting Cthulhu in the middle of the city. <laughs> You're gonna fucking know that there's a black hole somewhere on Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not gonna go unnoticed. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, and John just blows off Booster. I didn't mention this in the summary, but Booster calls up John. And he's like, um, yeah, I've got a problem. And John's like, shut up and do your job. And Booster's like, okay, fine, whatever. So John should have picked up on that shit. <laughs> so, well, what do you think about this one? I don't hate this one, but this isn't a favorite of mine all the same. Um, on some level, I do like the Booster Gold character. Um, I like his interactions with Skeet, uh, or Skeets, I should say. Yeah, Skeets really saves this episode, <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you. Yeah, I, I love at the end when Booster's like, I'm not a, or what does he say? I'm not a hero, I'm lame. And Skeets is like, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Best part of the episode, right there. Yeah. I was like, rock on, Skeets. So you know right there, the little robot guy is telling his best friend that, yeah, I just kiss your ass all the time. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Um, but Yeah, no. Billy West, I, 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 you know, it's Fry from Future. Right, yeah, I knew I recognized the voice. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So right there, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, Skeets, by far the best parts of this episode were hit. His lines? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's definitely some humorous stuff in here. Like when Booster Gold step, steps on the Justice League teleporter and he's like, energize! And the technician who runs it is just like, doofus. So even this guy thinks that Booster Gold's an asshole, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I had more funny stuff, to, or more funny lines from this one that I wrote down, and apparently I don't. I don't know. I mean, they what they're trying to do is break down Booster Gold and show you that he's this, you know, celebrity-seeking asshole, you know, and he learns a lesson that he shouldn't be that way. But then at the end, when you think he's learned that lesson, he ends up getting the girl. He did end up saving the day, whether anybody knows it or not. So you know he's going to continue to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you think he's learned something, and then no. I liken him to Stifler from the American Pie movies. I've never seen him, so I don't know. I, well, I only saw the the first couple. Okay. Um, it, Stifler is one like the one of the biggest assholes in the universe, and yet he nothing but good things happen to him. Oh. Okay. He never learns a lesson. He never gets come up and ever. Yeah, I, I I hate that character, and I hate Booster Gold. <sighs> They're very similar. Okay. Uh, I I actually did think of another great exchange. Mm-hmm. Remember remember what elongated man is like. Uh, I, once I disguised myself as a vase for three days, yeah. and Booster Gold's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. Okay, maybe not, but who'd want to anyway? Well, yeah. then, just a few minutes later, uh, they Wonder Woman comes down and uh, brings and tells Elongated Man to come into the fight. And uh, yeah. and Skeets is just like, hmm, maybe they needed a vase. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was a really good line. That was. Um, but but speaking of elongated man, there there was something that really bothered me. Um, because okay, yeah, you know, he and Booster Gold are initially teamed up, and uh, uh, John, that being uh, Stuart Green Lantern, uh, comes down. And uh, what is Elongated Man says something like, hey, I can help out. And Green Lantern says, Plastic Man's down there. We don't need two stretchy guys. What a dickhead. Yeah. Like, really? You've, you've, okay, granted, you do need someone to be on crowd control, but is that how you're really going to address this guy? We don't need two stretchy guys? Fuck you. There's a thousand and one Green Lanterns. You know, do they need a thousand and one? No, maybe they get along with a thousand. I'm taking your ring back. Fuck you, John. What a douche. I guess my last uh, note here, um, because I have to have my requisite number of Ian Wilson clip segments. Mm-hmm. What is um, Booster Gold's little robot friend's name? Skeets. Yes. Um, what does Skeet mean? I don't know. Uh, jizz. Oh, I didn't know that, really? <laughs> yes. And um, what did Skeets go into? <laughs> a big black, a black hole. <laughs> yes, Skeets went into bl- a black hole. The android's heading for Earth. We'll set up three layers of defense. One on the ground, one in the upper atmosphere, one in space. That's me. I want to hammer that thing before it gets anywhere near here. Move out. What is it? When the android left Earth, he said he'd evolved to a level where none of us could offer him anything. So why is he coming back? Next up is The Return. In this one, Green Lantern uh, is speaking with the head of the Guardians of Oa, uh, asking if he could switch with Kyle Rayner for a short time and allow him to come back to Earth. And uh, Guardian says, uh, no, fuck you. We're not disrupting our plans simply because Stuart has personal problems that he's too much of a pussy to deal with. Uh-uh. So suddenly, Oa starts rumbling, and they see that there's this large object flying towards the planet at a ridiculous speed. So Kyle and a few lanterns fly up into the atmosphere to construct a giant energy shield, but this object just crashes right through it like tissue paper. And uh, the Guardians magnify the object on their crystal ball, and it is a Mazo, Dr. Ivo's android. Um, so Jean and the lan- and uh, uh, GL are just stunned at this revelation, and it then it gets much worse, because Amazo flies right into Oa, and it appears to be destroyed. It just disappears. And the Johns stand there in utter shock and silence. And after the title, John says the problem is much worse than that. The android is coming to Earth. And they set up this three-layer defense to uh, stop Amazo. After everyone is dispatched, Superman asks John why the android would come back when it said that it had evolved to a level where they had nothing to offer him anymore. So... We then go to Lex Luthor's mansion where he's being interviewed about his new book. And Luthor claims that he's turned over a new leaf, and he'd love nothing more than to be friends with the Justice League. <laughs> so suddenly, Steel and Supergirl swoop in and just grab Luthor and take off with him. <laughs> Luthor demands to know what's going on, and they tell him an old friend is coming back. And Luthor says, all right, wh- whatever hiding place you have for me, it's not going to be good enough. But I have just the place. So they go to this little hole-in-the-wall barber shop. And uh, Steel says, eh, got to hand it to you, Lex. No one would think to look for you in here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so they go in. Lex sits down in the chair, 
uh, and tilts to reveal a secret escape pod thing and a tunnel that he goes sliding down that is rife with traps, uh, including kryptonite-laced walls, so Supergirl can go no further. Uh, and Lex reaches the interior of his little hiding place uh, with this giant cannon pointed at the door. And Luthor just sits in the chair of the machine and ready to blast anything that comes through there. And we hear a voice, and Luthor immediately recognizes it as the voice of Ray Palmer, the Atom. So Adam grows to his normal height uh, after jumping off Luthor's shoulder, and Luthor is none too pleased that they sent him to protect him, but Palmer says, uh, douchebag, I'm the lead's f- uh, foremost expert on nanotechnology, the same technology that built Amazo. So Palmer shows Luthor the android's blueprints, and he gets that familiar smirk on his face. And uh, we go out into space, and the League is preparing for Amazo's descent, and Amazo talks to Superman telepathically and says, Luthor is your enemy. Give him up. You owe him nothing. Lantern has enough and just says, light him up. So all the javelins, all the heroes, everybody just unleashes this massive assault on Amazo. They go back to Luthor's hideout and uh, Jean contacts him and Luthor automatically knows that they failed. And we get a quick cut back into space. And there's just this utter carnage that Amazo left behind. The javelins are all destroyed. All the heroes are unconscious out in space. Uh, we go into the upper atmosphere where uh, Supergirl and a few other heroes are waiting for Amazo. And Supergirl foolishly flies right at him and is beaten right into the ocean. And the others don't fare very well either. Uh, Red Tornado actually gets lasered in half and explodes. Yeah. Jean gets a visit from Dr. Fate in the Watchtower while the, uh, the ground forces get utterly decimated too. And Amazo flies into the secret tunnel while Adam and Luthor desperately try to complete this cannon modification. So Amazo arrives and Luthor blasts him, but it doesn't work because Amazo is not nanotech anymore. Uh, we go out into space, uh, into space and the survivors of Oa start cleaning the wreckage. Um, and Kyle Rayner flies over to John and says, look, we're going to use whatever powers left in our rings and take one last shot at the android. And John's like, uh, dude. That's going to destroy half the fucking planet. But Kyle says, half a planet is better than none. And Dr. Fate is not pleased with this development, and he teleports away to come up with a better solution. So Amazo grabs Luthor and tosses him across the room, but Adam runs over to him and shrinks him into a subatomic size to try and hide from Amazo. Um, But Amazo does see them, though, and he demands to know what Luthor's purpose is when he has wealth, power, fame, and yet all he does is crave more and more of it. Well, Luthor turns it back on him and says, what you're really trying to figure out is what is your purpose? So the lanterns arrive at the room, and Fate tries to stop them, but they all point their rings at him and say, fuck you, move. (laughs) And uh, they enter the room, and they see no one there, and they demand to know what's going on. Dr. Fate simply says Lex Luthor is saving the universe. So we go back into the subatomic universe, and Luthor explains that for all he's accomplished in a few generations, he'll just be forgotten. And Amazo stresses to the point where he just ponders ending everything with a thought, but Luthor stops him and says, look, if you do that, you won't see the end of the evolutionary process. That's your purpose. You can be a chronicler, a witness of all existence to see where life of all forms goes eons into the future. And uh, Amazo isn't really satisfied with being a witness, but Luthor says, look, I can't solve this mystery for you. You have to go out and create your own destiny, or whatever he says. And after... Luthor insults Amazo. Uh, Amazo returns them to normal size. <laughs> yeah, Luthor just can't, he can't help himself. Yeah, um, no, I, I love the Adam's reaction. What does he say? Something like, you couldn't just leave well enough alone. Or quit while you're quit ahead or something. Yeah, yeah. 
they're all normal size. The lanterns prepare to blast a mezo, uh, but uh, he says, or uh, Doctor Fate appears and says, "Oh, it's over, isn't it?" And uh, Mezo just simply nods his head, and like John is like, he destroys an entire planet, and it's just over, just like that. Fuck you. So, um, they they all point the rings at him again, and Amazo walks up and says, "I did not destroy Oa. I just moved it to another dimension. It was in my way." <laughs> And John just like, could you move it back, please? <laughs> and he's like, he, his eyes glow, done. <laughs> um, so everybody's all relaxed now. Uh, Dr. Fate says I can, uh, to Amazo, like, I can help you find your true meaning. And Amazo's like, why? Why would you do that? And then Dr. Fate says, because that is my purpose. So they teleport to Fate's tower, and he says to Inza there, and, you know, there was a moment where I really thought that John Stewart might attack me. And then who should step out from the shadows but Shaira, who says, who says, I wouldn't worry. His bark is a lot worse than his bite. <laughs> so, sir, what do you think about this one? I like this one, but it's missing something for me. Can you pinpoint what that is? No, I really can't. I'm looking at my notes, and all I wrote down was Kyle, referring to Kyle Rayner. Red Tornado Goes Boom, and Hawk Girl. That's all I wrote down. I mean, I definitely like the debate, the philosophical debate between Luthor and Amazo. What I particularly like about it, and I think this is said on the commentary too, if I recall, Luthor can't be lying to Amazo, because Amazo's psychic at this point. Mm -hmm. So he has to be telling it the truth. Um, so that that's really interesting. And of course, he's got to mouth off and potentially get himself and the Atom killed. I really love the Green Lantern Corps in this one. You know, we think they're wiped out. Uh, the whole light them up thing that John says, just the massive fleet that they've got protecting Earth, that being the Justice League. Um, I love the, the return of the GLC after you think they've been destroyed the way they treat fate, the way they're ready to jump on a mazo, the way they want to avenge Oa. Um, and, you know, they really continue to play up the fact that you're supposed to think Oa's gone. Kyle says we're going to use one last blast to take this thing down, basically saying that's it, because, you know, if Oa's gone, they, they can't recharge their rings. So it's got all that going for it, but I don't know. I think the Amazo character is just one that... I understand why he's pissed at Lex, but I don't. They never explain why he came back, and I really think, yeah, well, as I've been talking it out, that's it. So he came back just to ask Lex Luthor, the man he hates, what his purpose in life is. Why well, would he do that? Well, I gotta. You gotta figure. He's been flying around the universe for years now, yeah. and if. It's really probably been eating at him ever since he left Earth, whether he wanted to admit it or not. Uh, he wanted to know, because maybe this is something that Amazo can't understand. Like, like maybe it's something along the lines of a brainiac who doesn't understand what imagination is. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe that's why he came back. That's my rationale for no, it. No, no, no. I, I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with him coming back to this planet of birth to find out what his purpose in life is. But why is he going to the man who betrayed him, who lied to him, to ask him this question? Well, That's the part I'm not understanding. Why isn't he going 
to Superman or Green Lantern or even like the Martian Manhunter. You know, I really yeah, don't get yeah, it. John, John would probably have been the only person other than Luthor I think he should have gone to. Yeah, before. and you can still get your fight. He, you know, he it still starts the same way with them talking to the, 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 the Owens. It gets blown up, or we think it does. Uh, he shows up, there's a big fight. Somehow he and John get to the point where, John being the Martian Manhunter, just start having a philosophical debate about humanity and what it means to, to be a sentient creature and your place in life. You know, John's the last of his kind. Amazo's the only of his kind. There's, there's, it's ripe for story potential, and I don't think you really lose anything. Um, outside of the fact that Luthor is the one that saves the day, which is epically cool. Um, yeah, I mean, granted, it turns into a different kind of episode, but you don't, it doesn't change it that much if you really think about it. Um, so yeah, him coming back to talk to Luthor, I don't get, I don't get, yeah. Well, then again, was he coming back to talk to Luthor? He was coming back yeah. to kill him, and then Luthor tricked him into talking. Is that what happened, now that I think about it? No, because, remember, in, okay, in space, Amazo telepathically contacts Superman. Right. And he's like, give him up. You owe him nothing. Yeah. Um, he didn't say, he didn't specifically say he was going to uh, kill him. Yeah. And, and you remember, he goes into that room, he could just end him in the blink of an eye. He even but says he as much. He says, I could think, like, he, I, one thought and you're gone. Yeah. Yeah, true. But that wasn't his point. Yeah. You know, that wasn't his it necessarily his purpose. Uh, maybe maybe he would do that after speaking to Luther. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, naturally, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was never his his immediate purpose for going to see Luthor. Mm -hmm. um, I guess he figured that he wanted to understand uh, the mind of somebody who would go to such lengths. He doesn't understand how somebody who has as much as Luthor does, why he would want more and more and more. Um, yeah, and that's, okay, I see what you're saying there, because that's what Amazo's doing himself. He's going throughout the galaxy and amassing all this power, but he still doesn't know his direction. Okay, talking this through, I could see why he's come back for Lex now, why he pinpointed him. Because he's seeing um, a weird sort of parallel between the two. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, okay, I get it. Um, really, this is one of, if not my overall personal favorite Lex Luthor-centric episode, oh, okay. because it, it's really just brilliant how manipulative uh, Luthor is. Yeah. But at, at this, the script in the second half of this episode is just awesome. But the Adam and the Luthor and Luthor's uh, dialogue is great, um, and then the whole conversation between Amazo and and Luthor, I love. I absolutely love that whole speech. Yeah. Um, and Clancy Brown bringing me awesome as always. Yeah. Um, Robert Picardo uh, really brought a lot of depth to the Amazo character. Yeah, he I did. mean, he's just, he really, he's just an Android at its, at his most base level, but he, ex this voice actor exhibits great threatening speech, um, insecurity, and then simple conversational speech just perfectly. I love how well he was able to, bring all that kind of emotional level to an android. You know, that, that's not the first time he's done something like that. I mean, he played the holographic doctor on Star Trek Voyager. So there he was playing, you know, a, basically a, a robot or a being that 
we wouldn't normally consider sentient and had to make it come to life. And here he's doing it again with Amazo. And speaking of voice actors, I do believe that was Will Friedel voicing Kyle Rayner. Oh, was it? Wow, I didn't notice that. Okay. Very nice. Anytime they can bring him in, I'm, yeah. all, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, going back to the Adam, which you had brought up, I love that moment between the Adam and Luthor where they're, they're getting on each other's nerves and they're talking about the right way to weld the piece of this cannon, you know? And, uh-huh. he, you know, the Adam, he gets a clear head. He just, for that split second, and he realizes what's going on, that Luthor's nervous. And he's expressing that as anger, and he just calms down himself, and he says, Lex, we'll stop him. And Luthor, he, that calms him down. It makes him realize that, yeah, he's not, you know, he, he's, he, he's yelling at someone who's honestly trying to help him. It actually brings Luthor down to a much more human level. Um, and then th- that, that comes back at the end, too, where the Adam's like, I told you we'd stop. And what does Lex say? We? <laughs> He just walks away. It's like, you're a dick and you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Technically, it was a we because Dr. Fate was there, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a team effort. It definitely was, you know. But, uh, you know, Lex is going to take all the credit because that's what he does. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what about Hawkgirl's return? we got to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, only gets one line, but, mm-hmm. hey, that that's really all you need here because they're just saying, oh, Oh, she's still hanging around. Yeah. That's it's awesome. It's just totally awesome. And I'm and I know Maria Canals was thrilled to death when she knew when she found out that they were gonna bring Hot Girl back. Because you remember she was in just a gas that they were removing Hot Girl from the cartoon. Yeah, you said she cried, right? Yeah. yeah. She because she just loved playing this character. Mm-hmm. So she's back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What does she want to say about this one? I don't really have anything else to say. I, I I really I really really like this episode. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's really great. If nothing else, for just the philosophical stuff. Your artificial life forms, grown in a test tube, designed to be the ultimate superheroes. That's a lie. I remember my parents. How much they loved me. I was with my mother when she died. I implanted memories. But I spent Thanksgiving with my father. Actors, how long have we... You're just a little over a year old. The purpose of the Cadmus Project was to create a popular group of superheroes who are completely loyal to the government, unlike those loose cannons in the Justice League. And the clones? Replacements for when you wear out. Once they're complete, the clones will think they're you. They'll be you, and no one will be the wiser. How could you do this to us? (laughs) Me? This is so big. Even my superiors are small fish. Next up is Ultimatum. In this one, there is an oil rig that's being attacked by some sea creatures. And uh, Aquaman and some other... Not sea creatures, but lava creatures, I should say. Aquaman and uh, some other members of the League. That being uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, if I remember correctly. Am I forgetting someone? I think Uh, that's... Soups, bats, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. Yeah. That was it. Uh, they, they're all there. They're trying to stop these things. And then all of a sudden, this group of young heroes called the, what are they called? The Ultimen? The Ultimen yeah. or something like that? Ultimen. Yeah, yeah. They show up and, uh, in, you know, they take down these lava beasts. 
Uh, of course, the Justice League help a little, but it really is the, the Ultimen that do it. And, uh, you know, the press comes up to them, because for whatever reason, the press is on the oil rig. No, it's not the press. It was just the oil people that they were talking to, the riggers. Um, and, you know, the, the leader of the group, I think it was his name, uh, was it Windragon? Moondragon? Yes. Windragon, yeah. He's giving them some very ham-fisted speech, and Superman turns the his dick switch on and is all like, I hate this guy, or he's hammy, or whatever. You know, I was like, really? <laughs> this guy just saved all these people's lives. You're going to be a jerk? You jerk. <laughs> so Wonder Woman, she she's like, look, we keep bumping into each other. You know, when are you guys going to... And so apparently they've met before. When are you guys going to accept our invitation to the League? And uh, a Native American on the team by the name of, was it Long Shadow? Yes. Yeah, he he will he wants to join the Justice League. He's like, come on, guys, let's go. And they're all like, no, we can't. So he follows along with his buddies, and they go back to their base. And uh, it turns out that these five, uh, these five young heroes, they're working with Maxwell Lord. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's actually from the comics. Um, he used to run the Justice League uh, back in the... 80s, I think it was, and uh, he's, you know, he's turned these superheroes into, like, pop star sensations. They have action figures and posters and probably cartoons, and they're making tons of cash, um, just just hand over fist. I mean, the, these guys are just rich. Uh, but what concerns their handlers is that, Win, uh, yeah, Windragon has demonstrated a new power. So they start running a test on these guys, and it turns out that their bodies are breaking down. Um, and uh, Long Shadow actually overhears this, because he's developing new power. What he can do is he just grows to super size, but now suddenly he's got super hearing. He overhears this, and uh, uh, Maxwell Lord comes into the room, and he's faking like the, like the Ultimate are okay. And uh, uh, Long Shadow keeps, you know, tells tells them, oh yeah, yeah, that's because uh, Max is like, you know, you guys have to stay overnight for observation. And four of the team members are groaning about it, but Long Shadow's like, no, 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 that's fine, we'll stay, yeah. So uh, they're sitting around later that night, and uh, they have uh, uh, what's his name, Juice, uh, cause a distraction, blows up a little camera that's monitoring them, and uh, they escape. So obviously, uh, you know, and. We didn't see it, but Long Shadow told them what he had overheard. Uh, as they're trying to escape the building, they run into a laboratory, and in there they find clothes, clothes, clones of themselves in stasis tubes. So now they're all completely freaked, freaked out, and uh, they don't know what to do about this. They grab Max, and uh, they force him to tell uh, to, to tell them what they are. And he says, basically, yeah, you're, you're genetically modified superheroes that are loyal to the government, unlike the Justice League. And they're all like, yeah, but we have memories. And it's like, well, those are surgically implanted. Sorry, you guys are maybe a year old. And those clones you saw are to replace you when you eventually break down. So uh, they, they're not handling this well. They start flipping out. They decide they're going to bring down the building that, uh, that they're in. And uh, Longshadow, he doesn't like this. He still wants to be a hero. I mean, yeah, he's pissed that he's genetically altered and that he is a clone, but he doesn't want to do this. So he tries to save people while his teammates are uh, taking this building down. And uh, eventually the Justice League shows up, and uh, Longshadow's trapped in the middle between the two groups. And uh, it, it's become quite clear that the other four young heroes, 
not only are their powers changing and their bodies breaking down, but so are their minds. Um, this anger is infecting them in such a way that it's driving them mad. And, uh, you know, the Justice League ultimately, uh, with Longshadow, has to bring them down. And they do. And at the end of the episode, four of the Ultimate are being taken into custody by, like, I don't know if it was the military or what, but then another group of military people show up, including Amanda Waller, who we did see earlier in the episode, I should say, um, saying, no, they're ours, we'll take them, we'll give them the best treatment that we can. And uh, so they start to go away, and uh, Longshadow uh, doesn't want to go with them, and so the League backs them, backs him up, and, you know, Batman gets in Waller's face, and he's like, he's one of us, blah, 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 and uh, Waller trains her guns on Longshadow, and Superman, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman, they all step in the way, Batman gets in Waller's face, and he's like, mine are bigger. And she, uh, I don't remember the exact line, but she basically said, what does she say? I'm sure you know well, she, the line. Yeah, she says, all right, stand down. He's free to go with you for however long he has left. So Batman's like, who are you people? And Waller's like, that's the national security matter. And if I were not if I were you, I wouldn't probe the situation too closely, rich boy. Yeah, and Batman just is like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the four Ultimen, they go off with Waller and Maxwell Lord. And uh, the episode ends with Wonder Woman and the Justice League bringing Longshadow up to the Watchtower and saying, welcome to the Justice League. So we don't know how long he spends with them, because I don't think we ever see him again. But, you know, for the rest of his life, no matter how long that is, he was a member of the Justice League. So uh, what were you thinking here, James? This episode would already get a really high grade regardless, but... Waller's rich boy line is worth at least a point just by itself. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> just just in terms of epic lines, this is it has to be in the top five in all the DCAU. It, yeah, it it's up there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, this episode is just fan-fucking-tastic. Mm-hmm. Um, from start to finish, the, the, the Ultimen are very obviously references to the Super, uh, the super Friends. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Which is very cool. I'm I'm that, I'm glad they did something uh, like that, and they it's basically all these characters are basically just uh, not ripoffs. Obviously, they're homages oh, yeah. to uh, you know Samurai Black Vulcan, uh, Patchy Chief, and Zan and Jaina. And supposedly, the dog that like comes out of the that, that like almost rips open that mm-hmm. cage is supposed to be Wonder Dog too. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of our younger listeners are going to go, "Who the hell are those characters?" You know, but our older listeners are going, oh, yeah, I know who they are. Oh, yeah. And I'm in that group. You know, I'm on Me the too. Older... Yeah, you are, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I still have the VHSs somewhere. Oh, nice. Very nice. I love this episode. I watch, I, I've watched this episode at least 20 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I do have a question, though, and it, it revolves around Aquaman. I, I, what is his involvement with the Justice League? Is he a mm-hmm. full member now? Because he's at the main conference table. Yeah, I think that he's just sitting at the table because that's where they're having their meeting. I don't think he's a full-time member. I don't think with him being a king, he could or even would justify being away from his kingdom for that long. You know, because if he's a a full-time member, you know, he has to split his time between Atlantis and the Watchtower. He's not going to do that. 
I think he only gets involved when he needs to get involved. And he's it's implied he's had a couple of run-ins with these kids. Um, and because the story starts out in the ocean, obviously he's involved. Um, so I, I think he's sort of like... Remember how Batman was in the original Justice League? Where they just... Yeah. Whenever they needed him, they called him. That's Aquaman here. And, you know, they just got him sitting at the big boy table. That's all. Okay. I can I can accept that. Yeah. What about you, though? Oh, this is a great one. I mean, I'm not crazy about how all of a sudden they go from heroes to villains, you know? But if you really look at it, their minds are breaking down. They've suffered something very traumatic, so they're going to go mad. But it's this sudden shift. I wish... That shift could have lasted just a little longer. Even if it was just another, like, two minutes, then I don't know if I would have any gripes about this one. But even that aside, I mean, this is just... It's just strong. That's the best word I can use to describe this one, is strong. I mean, it's got awesome lines, like like the final one between Bruce and Waller. Um, it's got another great Waller line where she's talking to Maxwell Lord... And uh, she says something like, bring them back, that being the ultimate, or I'm calling in the squad to put them down. Fuck yes. And you know that squad with a capital S, her suicide squad. And of course, I mean, which later on we meet Task Force X, which is a stand-in for the suicide squad, because obviously you can't say suicide squad on a cartoon, you know? You just can't do it. Damn it. (laughs) But here, you know, they get a reference where she just says the squad... To put them down so you know what she's talking about there. And I was like, yeah, I was watching this at work and I almost burst out in a cheer going, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do think it's kind of crappy that they couldn't use suicide here when the X-Men cartoon had the word suicide in it at least twice. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Okay. Gambit says it once in the first season. Hmm, Um, I I think it was said elsewhere, uh, like later on in the series, too. Okay. But. Yeah, um... But anyway, minor cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, I would have been content, sort of like how they changed his name just to Slade. If they just called the Suicide Squad, The Squad. Because you know what it is. Yeah, Yeah. and and, you know, you understand that they're a group of mercenaries. You know, and they're gonna kill you, you know, and so, yeah, you know... You know who they are. You get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like what they did with Task Force. I can never say it. Task Force X. Um, you know, it's a decent name, but the squad would have been cooler. But anyways, you know, this is the first time we see Amanda Waller. I didn't realize that. I had to actually look that up. For some reason, I thought we had seen her before, but no, this was her first appearance. I mean, this episode is uh, its vitally important. To, oh, absolutely. To, it's, just to as the rest. Im- it's just as important as... Uh, the Galatea episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the next step in that whole uh, Cadmus storyline. I, I didn't speak about it much during the synopsis, but I like the little moments between Wonder Woman and Long Shadow. Yeah, um, we get there's there's that moment where they're sitting in front of the tree and they're talking about his family. You know, at that point he doesn't realize that his family are memory implants and actors, but they're talking about this. And they're just having a very human moment. It doesn't last long. It lasts just the right amount of time. Um, But you can tell there's a real friendship, a real tenderness. Not necessarily a romance. Again, just a friendship forming between those two. 
Um, I would like to point out that he said he spent last Thanksgiving with his father when he's a Native American. I'm sure there's Native Americans that celebrate Thanksgiving, but I'm just saying, if I were an Indian, I'd be like, yeah, fuck that holiday. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 the last thing, I mean, you can keep talking about this one if you want, and please do, but the last note I have on this one is Aquaman totally bitch slapped downpour. Yes. Downpour walks up to him because, you know, Aquaman just took down, uh, uh, what was her name? Shifter, Downpour's sister. He's throwing these punches, not doing anything, and Aquaman just backhands the guy. Oh All the way God. across the room. <laughs> and, well, what's great is, what's great is what sets that up before he even backhands him. He's like, King of the Seas, remember? Yeah, because he's trying to shoot all the water at him. That is great. <laughs> oh, I do not justify bitch slapping. <laughs> Unless it's Aquaman. I, I about to say this this point of view is held only by Mike. I I am all for bitch slapping when it needs to be done. <laughs> and I and I'm I use bitch not in, in a gender yeah, yeah. Uh, form. I just mean like in general. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah. um, like uh Ben Roethlisberger, he needed a bitch slap, like what happened to him yesterday in uh, in the Pittsburgh and uh, Oakland game. He got bitch slapped and he deserved it. Oh, I heard about this. I don't know what's going on, but I heard something about it. So don't get me started on football right now. I am in such a foul mood about football because I hate the way – I don't know if you saw my Facebook update today. The way the sports media just, like, licks Brett Favre's ass. I'm (laughs) tired of it. Welcome to my world. I am tired of it. It's like Brett Favre, he's a selfish, petty man that has passed his prime and – the sports media rarely, if ever, blames him for the fault of the Minnesota Vikings. And they turn around and the Vikings fire their goddamn coach. And sure, fine, fire the coach. The team's not doing well. Well, but their head coach, I'm going to, I have to interrupt you because their head coach is maybe the worst head coach in football. And it really has little to do with Favre. Okay, but no, because... no, what I want to say is, though, you know, they fire him, but Favre is the guy on the, on the ground throwing like a record number of interceptions. <laughs> And they're, yep. they're not doing anything with him. Now, maybe this interim coach is going to bench Favre. That's what I keep hearing. And it's like, fine, do that. Put the guy out of his misery. You know, he's ruining his reputation. He really was a great quarterback, and he's fucking up. But the whole point is, I just hate the way the media is just, like, all on this guy's nutsack. So I am so down <laughs> on football right now that I'm not even sure what happened with the Oakland thing. I just heard someone punch someone, and there might have been a choking out. That's all I know. <laughs> that's all i know yeah. anyways um, anyway yes <laughs> so let's get off i'm very high on i'm very high on football because i, I i'm an atlanta falcons right, fan yeah, so yeah. No, i guess the last thing i'll say about this is bizarro who comes back out of nowhere oh, we don't I know how he to got mention that whole thing with bizarro <laughs> and giganta oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> this this was out of nowhere um yeah, yeah bizarro bizarro is out of his little planet that he was in charge of how we never is never explained no. but i don't really care because he spouts off Mighty Mouse's intro line. Yeah, he does. They, what is he? And like? I am, I am such a huge mark for Mighty Mouse. Oh, it's yeah. not even so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another point just for that. I love how Wonder Woman gets into his head when he's all like, "Like we're breaking out gr- my girlfriend's boyfriend. I'll do anything for her, even break her boyfriend out of jail." Wonder Woman's like, "But what happens after he's out of jail?" <laughs> And he's all like, and he's like, oh, <laughs> and just uh, gets whacked uh, around. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a funny little moment, you know, because, again, it was just continuing the bonding experience between Wonder Woman and Longshadow, but it, it really, it's just filler. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> but good filler, nonetheless. Welcome to our nightmare. Can you help? Look at those. It's amazing. Ray, tell them what you told me. These things build copies of themselves, using whatever material is around. And they'll only stop when everything is gone. So this isn't just about these three towns? No. They'll go coast to coast, and then across the seabed. They'll use rock, metal, plastic, plant life. People. Yes. And destroying the replicated machines isn't enough. You have to get to the system's core control. We destroy the mothership. You have to understand, making metal out of rock is a microscopic process. The core control is issuing instructions at an atomic scale. You can't just smash up a machine the size of an infection. Leave a crumb of it intact and it'll start all over again. You have to get me to the main ship. I have to go inside that thing and reprogram it. Lastly up today is Darkheart. In this one, we open up uh, with these two rock climbers scaling a mesa in Nevada somewhere. And uh, the girl almost falls, but manages to get up to the top of this thing. Well, when she does, waiting for her is this gigantic mechanical blob thing, which has very clearly already consumed her boyfriend. And uh, she is next. So after the title, we see the uh, U.S. Armed Forces uh, trying to contain it, but they're unsuccessful. And so this thing starts sending out these mechanical spider and tiger things that devour anything that they touch. Uh, the Justice League is called into the fray. And they're contacted by General Wade Eiling of the Air Force, even though he's wearing Army gear. But uh, anyway, he's trying to evacuate the, the uh, towns nearest to the alien. Uh, and Batman flies over in the Batwing, and he uh, drops this freeze bomb thing on top of the, uh, the this giant blob thing, freezing it uh, uh, entirely. And unfortunately, it only causes the spiders and tigers uh, tigers to start burrowing around an even, even greater radius than they already were. So uh, eventually, uh, Martian Manhunter contacts Eiling and tells him to get his men out of there immediately because he's going to activate the League's binary fusion generator, uh, which is a space-based we uh, laser weapon with the power of a small nuclear bomb. And uh, Eiling is not pleased at all to hear about this, but he's like, all right, well, fuck it, we've got to get my men out of here, so... Jean's plan is to create a trench around them because a direct blast would just be the height of stupidity because it would launch them all over the place. Uh, so he burns the trench, and Superman uses his supervision to discern that they are replicating from the central structure. And Batman says, we need Ray Palmer. So Superman flies to Boston to retrieve the atom. Uh, flying back from Boston, uh, Palmer explains a little history of the idea of replicating machines. And... Uh, Batman contacts him and says, look, we need you now. The trench is no more. And uh, the Batwing is eventually taken down by these mechanical tiger things. Uh, and Batman ejects out of the uh, of Batwing, but his uh, parachute is destroyed. And Superman saves him from uh, falling to his death, just barely. And uh, they meet up with Diana, and Palmer explains that you can't just punch this thing to death. You have to get me inside this thing so I can take it down from within and i can reprogram it at its very core so they do manage to get palmer into the machine and he traverses it for several minutes until uh he finally comes to the core of the machine where 
he uh, he ascertains the history of this thing. It's uh, a war machine that was built uh, like fifty thousand years ago, and it doesn't even know that the the war it was fighting is over. It's just following its programming. So Palmer uh, is attacked inside the machine, but he uh, eventually gets away, and he figures out that if he interrupts the quote-unquote blood flow of the machine, he can give it, in essence, a heart attack and stop it. And he does, and the, the dark heart starts rupturing all over the place, spewing all this liquefied matter everywhere. Uh, and Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman, they're fearing that Adam is dead. But uh, he emerges from the goop uh, just slightly worse for wear. General Eiling and the Air Army uh, take the Dark Heart away to study it because, as Eiling says, this thing almost destroyed the Justice League, and they could learn a lot about it. And uh, Wonder Woman's like, uh, really, why would you need something like that, General? And Eiling is like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's because you have a space-based weapon of mass destruction that we didn't know about? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, we will be having a discussion about that later, ma'am. So he leaves. And uh, Adam is really, really worried about this because this is it's something that destroyed its creators and everything it touched, and they just want to play with it. And Superman assures him, look, you know, if if it ever happens again, we'll be there to stop it. So that's it. What do you think? Before we get into the top or into discussing this one, it needs to be said that this was written by Warren Ellis, and I'm a big Warren Ellis fan. So that may play into, you know, my score for this one and just how I see this one. Mm-hmm. But I think that even though this episode takes place on the ground, you know, it's not like even partially in space like it was with the Amazo episode, it still has a very epic feel to it. You know, there's no group of supervillains coming together to take down the league or anything like that. It just starts out small, a very normal episode. Two people rock climbing. One of them gets killed. We see that the girl does get away. If you pay attention, she is being ushered into a military helicopter and taken away. You know, and then it just becomes this, like, much bigger threat. I mean, this thing that is is going to destroy the world unless they do something about it. Um, And then... You add onto that the the revelation of this cannon on the watchtower, and you really start to understand why the government has a problem with the Justice League. Like we're going to side with the Justice League because they are the Justice League, but they're doing some shady shit, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's just just it having that it's starting off small and having that, but can, growing into this what I think is an epic episode. And then continuing this Cadmus storyline and making you understand that the humans, you know, the non-powered humans, the government have a point that that really brings this one up in my mind. Um, I, I, I love this one. I absolutely do. And I think it's got some great little bits of dialogue that are just pure Warren Ellis, but I'll get into them in a little bit. Uh, what were you thinking about this one? I have exactly one note for this episode. Oh, Okay. I like the premise of this episode, mm-hmm. and I like the epic feel of this episode, as you said. And it is again, this is another building block in the Cadmus arc yeah. uh, because it, you know, it introduces a new player into the thing, General Eiling, mm-hmm. and he becomes uh, a department head in Cadmus. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. This one is just, I, I, it's kind of boring to me, really. I think my main problem with this one is it's not the Adam 
but it's the way he con- constantly beats it into the, into Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman's heads that I have to get in there and I have to reprogram this thing. I have to, at its core, I have to do this and this and this. Ultimately, he just squeezes a tube yeah. and destroys it. That I, I was really, really not digging that at all. And I 100% agree. That is a... a, a a check mark in the in the negative column for this one um and and we see that earlier in the episode when he's fighting that weird snake worm thing he says uh-huh. he's going to reprogram it and then he just punches it yeah you know and he does it you know here he tries punching the core it doesn't work so he grows try punching it again that doesn't work so yeah he gives the thing a heart attack no reprogramming involved. He was unless he's reprogramming with his fists of science. I mean, I don't know <laughs> what's going on there, but no, I fully admit that this one will not get a perfect score from me, and that is one of the reasons why. Absolutely, I do like um, Batman's just general awesomeness throughout this episode. It's like Wonder Woman's like, why would you have something like that on board? And he's like, oh, I had to freeze the Gotham River once. That's a long story. I'll tell you later. Yeah. I briefly was trying to remember if he was in that episode where Superman had to fight that giant space creature that was attached to the asteroid that ended up getting frozen in the harbor. Uh-huh. I was like, uh-huh. wait, did he drop the chemicals? No, that was in Metropolis, and those were like military planes. Right. But I really thought, <laughs> I had to look that up. I really did. <laughs> But yeah, I wish he would have said the Metropolis Bay or something. Yeah, exactly. Because then you think, okay, maybe Batman was flying one of those planes. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that would have been an awesome little little thing, a uh, continuity thing for the hardcore fans like us. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit, of, just a little retcon. You know? Yeah, he was flying one of the planes. It works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We're talking about Batman's awesomeness. That whole scene when he's falling out of the out of the bat plane yeah. and the parachute didn't work, and he's like, I could use some air support. Because I can't fly at all. <laughs> now would be good. Yeah. And he's just completely calm about it. He doesn't be like, I need air support now, now. But you also know by the way he's wording, by the way he's saying that, he's shitting his pants. You know, because they're all so busy taking care of this thing. He doesn't know if anybody's going to swoop in and save his ass. Mm-hmm. So you really know. it's Kevin Conroy still playing it as Batman and not doing outright, as you said, screaming, yelling, nervousness. But if you know the way he plays that character, you know that Batman is genuinely worried in that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just shows you how uh, how brilliant of a voice actor Kevin Conroy is. But I, I love, and I said I'd get to these, you know, a few minutes ago I said I'd get to these lines. I love some of the Adam's lines in this. Like when he's fighting that creature in the beginning, when you first see him and he's like, he's bigger than my car, car now, Katie. Personally, I blame you. And then she's like, how could it be my fault? And he's like, because otherwise it would be my fault. That can't be right. I'm a professor. You know? And then after he beats it up, he's passed out on the thing. And he's like, I'm going to lay here for a while. I'm old now. And I get tired. I mean, if you know Warren Ellis's writing, that's like just a signature of his right there. Just these like snarky scientists. Um, and I, I love him for that stuff. I genuinely do. And like I said, I knew... I was going to gush about him a little. I'm really trying to, like, hold hold myself back. But I can't when I talk about those lines right there. I mean, it's just, like, even if I didn't know this one was written by Ellis, hearing those, I would have gone, did Warren Ellis write this? I would have had to have checked the credits <laughs> after the opening <laughs> title sequence. Um, oh, and of course, of course, the Adam 
has the like one of the best moments in the DCAU ever, riding in Wonder Woman's cleavage. Uh huh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, that lucky bastard. <laughs> yep. I love it. I'm surprised he wasn't killed. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I know First, with by her. Her super boobs. Yeah, I know. When she's holding him in her hand, she, he's like, "Don't squeeze." I wish he would have repeated that when he put her in the when she put him in the cleavage. <laughs> they never would have gotten away with yeah, it. Yeah, I know. War, I'm telling you, I bet Warren Ellis wrote the damn line, and they took a red pen to that and was like, "No, no, no." <laughs> oh, and of course, J.K. Simmons, uh, oh, yeah. Wayne Eiling. Yeah. Does... Anything J.K. Simmons is in turns to gold. Yeah, it's very. He did a very good job here. He did. Um especially when he gives it to the league at the end about how they're going to talk about that canon at a later date. I would have liked it if one or two members of the league lost their lives in this episode, though. You know, because they're talking about how dangerous these things are, how they devour anything in their path. And we we know that the one mountain climber got devoured because all we see is his shoe. Mm-hmm. But these things are climbing all over the Justice League, and none of them get devoured. I mean, how cool would it have been if, like, all of a sudden you just see Booster Gold getting gobbled up? You know, just to, just so or, you really understand how powerful these things are. Not even they wouldn't even have to do that. All they have to do is after the fight is over, yeah. they see like pieces of uniforms just laying around, and they can't find the people who are supposed to be wearing said uniform. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I was thinking while this episode was coming to a climax is along those same lines where they're like, okay, roll call. And like someone turns around and just goes, oh my God, where so-and-so. And then as you said, you see little scraps of clothing and you know that they just lost someone. Mm-hmm. That would have been really... I mean, that's just, I mean, we already know this thing's a threat, but that would have put over, put it over even more after it was already defeated, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I understand why they can't do that, why they didn't do that, but it would have been a nice little touch all the same. I don't know if I have anything else to say about this mm-hmm. one, because I said I only had one note, and I've, I've remembered some things here yeah. and there. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not nearly as high on this as you are. I can already tell. Th- th- that's understandable. That's fine. Like, like I said, I mean, I, I understand and agree with your gripe about how the Atom defeats this thing. Um, it just... And, you know, I'll even say I'm not a big fan of the whole we take down the main ship or computer and everything else dies too. They said that these things are self-replicating, that each one of these things carries its its entire history, its entire programming, so mm-hmm. they don't need the main computer to survive. The main, the main computer, whatever we're going to call it, was just creating more and more, but these things can grow into one of those things, so they shouldn't have shut down. That's another nope. big problem with it, another reason why this won't get a perfect score from me. Um, that, that's, that, 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 that always gets under my skin, that, 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 it, that part of this one. It, it's, it's lazy writing. Well, well... I don't it's want to also say that time. I love Warren Ellis, but I, I, well, I, I kind of disagree. I understand it's time constraints too, yeah. but I, when that happens, though, in other media, it's it's lazy writing too. I think mm. when you just when you just like, oh well, main thing's dead. Oh, everything else has to die. Right. Uh, do you want to go over our scores then? Uh, sure. Okay. Let's see. Fearful strip symmetry, aka Galatea. Ten. I absolutely agree. The greatest story never told. 
how the fuck am I supposed to grade this? <laughs> I'm going to give it a five. Mm-hmm. This might be one I come back to because I have to think more as really more about how I want to grade this, but I think I'll just leave it at the, right in the dead center for right now. I'm only giving this one a six. I'm only one point higher than you, which surprises me. Um, The Return. I'm giving that one an eight. You know what? I had initially, uh, I initially wrote down a seven, but as we talked that one out, I actually bumped that up to an eight myself. Ultimatum. Ten. Ooh, wow. Um, I'm gonna give this one an eight, but this one I'll probably be coming back to. And Dark Heart. I will give that one a five. And I am giving this one an eight. We'll take it from here. The Ultiman belong to us. Belong? A poor choice of words. We'll see to it that their last days are comfortable. We will take care of you. You have my word, for whatever it's worth. All right, Max. No. You need to step back. Not gonna happen. Long Shadow's with us. Safeties. Mine are bigger than yours. Stand down. He's free to go with you for however long he's got. Who are you people? That's a national security matter. And if I were you, I wouldn't probe the situation too closely. Rich boy. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. And also, don't forget that if you donate at least $10 to earth2.net by visiting earth2.net slash donations, earth-2.net slash donations, you will receive my DVD commentary of Superman Batman Apocalypse and the person who donates the most between the time this episode airs, which is the 24th of November, and the last day of 2010, they will also receive a brand new sealed copy of the uncut version of Batman Beyond. Um, I'm looking over at those books again because I forgot the name. Uh, Mythology, the DC Comics art of Alex Ross, and the Batman animated book, which talks about the creation of Batman the Animated Series. So You you actually didn't say Return of the Joker, you just said Batman Beyond. Did I say Batman Beyond? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, whatever, you people know what I... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just remember, earth2.net slash donations. earth-2.net slash donations. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of Justice League Unlimited. Those being Wake the Dead, The Once and Future Thing, The Cat and the Canary... The Ties That Bind, a.k.a. Miracles Happen, and the Doomsday Sanction. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast.
Next up is Dark Heart. In this one, there's uh, these two mountain climbers. And uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No. Aren't I supposed to be doing? Are this? you doing Dark Heart? Oh, you are. Did I just do? <laughs> I don't. That was weird. I was like, wait, wait, wait. What's going on? Is there another episode? I forgot. I did Ultimatum. Okay, please take Dark Heart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 